Good afternoon. I'm Baron Murdoch. I'm the host of Silicon Beach Mobile Startup. Today, we're joined by an extraordinary entrepreneur, DeAndre Hughes. He's the founder of Spare. He's found success over the last five years, and he's appeared on Shark Tank, and he's one of the few contestants to receive backing from billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's go into the interview. I want to start off by saying thank you for joining us. And I'm, I'm really uh, proud and ecstatic just seeing the success and the momentum that I've seen thus far. And I want you to get us up to date as to, you know, what's the trajectory looking like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, you know, so much for reaching out. Yeah, it's been a while since you and I last spoke, I think. You, yeah, you, we crossed, yeah, we crossed paths when Spare was really young. Uh -huh. Just an idea. Uh, and so there's been quite a few updates since, since then, you know, going, extending from us being awarded our patent um, to, you know, their Shark Tank and the growing of the network, the strategic partners. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to kind of give you a little bit of the, the, the story about, you know, how we got to where we are now. And there's uh, some incredibly amazing things that this company is doing with its partners today, um, you know, almost as a result of COVID. Um, but we're bringing a lot of value to the unbanked communities. I'm very excited to kind of get into a lot of that. So, um, but yeah, I can, I can dive in and kind of tell you how, how we got here, where, where we're at. So okay. over the, over the past few years, we, we did this, uh, you know, we kind of did this, this experiment, figuring out if we could create this platform, um, that can drive value for the unbanked and underbanked. And we were looking at the tea leaves in the economy. And when you, you hear there are articles that come out and books that are written that talk about the, the unbanked and the underbanked, but then you look on the other side down to Silicon Valley and you see everyone pushing digital wallets. And to us, there was a gap there because that meant that something was missing. And, and these underserved communities typically operate a lot in cash. You know, if you look even at the, not, not just the African-American community, but you look at the Asian uh, the 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 uh, American Asian community, those businesses, they typically run primarily on cash. That's um, right. They fall very much in the the unbanked category, and so our objective was to go out and build this service and see if we could build something that was from the ground up, a community-based system, um, and not necessarily enlisting the peer-to-peer. -peer, so you and I having a conversation, but uh, uh, a, an individual in the community having a conversation with the small business. Um, that they were so so uh, that they were often supporting, and so we were able to go out and and test this platform. And you know, very early on, we got a, a lot of uh, a lot of support because what you're what you're doing for the underbank is you're giving them an opportunity to reduce the ATM fees, the access that they are currently paying to to uh, to get cash, the fees they're paying to get cash. And right now, I think in the in the U.S., we're looking at 469 is the average in the U.S. to access cash at the ATM. That's the average percentage fee that they're, they're being charged? Or That's the average ATM up? fee. Okay. Yeah, average ATM fee. Okay. And so, and then you're looking at, you know, these small businesses that are, do, that are you know, spending lots of money to drive foot traffic, right? And hoping that it increase, increases revenue or potential sales. And so Spare kind of brings these two needs together where uh, in some cases we're able to eliminate the ATM fee. Um, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later. Uh, and then for these merchants, we're able to drive foot traffic and help them increase revenue and sales. And that's without them having to actually pay for an ATM, right? You don't oh, have to give them the floor space. 
you don't have to you know deal with the risk of card skimmers and whatnot and so we're very very excited uh that our offering uh covers so many bases at one time and so uh we launched the platform uh to the public actually back in 2017 um and we really wanted to understand um and watch the community and see how it was going to respond before we did this massive growth. Because I know a lot of people look at the company and go, well, you've been around for 2015, it was so popular, why aren't you bigger? Well, we've taken a data-driven approach to how we scale this, com this company. Um, and I think the one of the, the things uh, that I think people often miss when they're looking at the underbank community is um, they look at it with a broad stroke, but but what's going on inside that community is, is very intrinsic it, it, and it's very detailed. And mm -hmm. if you're going to bring a service uh, to this particular community, you have to be incredibly sensitive um, to the fact that they've seen every fraud that there is um, from here to kingdom come. And so you have to, you have to ensure that your service isn't bringing false promises and, um, and that you're actually affecting change. And so we're very excited because today we believe we are affecting change that we've had the network growth uh, and that we have the right formula together to grow and scale this this company um, so that it's maximizing the benefit, um, not just for that end consumer, but also these these businesses. Um, and you hear the government come out and say that small businesses are the backbone of the United States, of this country mm -hmm. and of many countries. And so but if your solution is pulling revenue from those companies and not driving traffic or maximizing their exposure, maximizing their ability, um, then you're kind of, you know, you're just a back door to them being closer to their own demise. And so our objective was to make sure that we got that formula just right um, for the merchants uh, and the users uh, as we grow out this company. No, when you're saying that, uh, that just gives me a whole nother view of Spare because I didn't really realize the impact of the revenue generation or the driving of revenue and driving of traffic to the business owner. So from that standpoint, that is a huge differentiator from PayPal, Venmo, any of the other alternatives that are known that come to mind immediately. Absolutely, and, and that's what we sought to do was, you know, you, we couldn't just be another digital wallet, right? Um, that's easy. You know, doing peer-to-peer -peer payments, that's easy. Um, you know, those, those big guys might, they, they might, uh, differ with me in opinion, but ultimately when you create your own, you create your own digital currency and you move it in this stored value network, ultimately that's easy, right? Okay. But it's about how do you eloquently, securely reach into that digital space and extract that digital value and realize it as, as efficiently as possible and as quickly as possible. ACH is great but not everybody has a bank account. Right. And so that's where we come in, where we're allowing our customers to reach into those digital wallets, um, aggregate them in one place inside a, a spare store value network, and then have access instantly to that cash at one of the registers uh, inside of our network. Okay. And Now, before we get into the idea or, or talking about the partnerships and talking about the technology behind Spare. Uh, a lot of um, young entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of various ages are listening. So to be able to share a little bit of your background and your story will really impact them as to the education piece, uh, where you're from, where you're located now, and what brought you the aha moment to come up with Spare. 
Yeah, absolutely. So just a, l- a little bit about me. Uh, I'm a military brat. And so I began my, my life journey back in, uh, in Tennessee. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, so my dad was in, in the Marine Corps. And so uh, I, I spent most of my childhood in Oceanside, California. And uh, then my dad uh, got moved to Yuma, Arizona. Now, most of your, your uh, listeners aren't going to know where the hell that is. But it's on the, <laughs> the southwestern corner of, uh, of Arizona. And so uh, I went to ASU. I got my, uh, my psychology degree. Uh, I'm in uh, Bachelor's of Science in Psychology. Uh, and then I went on to, while at the same time putting myself through school, I went to uh, work for J.P. Morgan. And so uh, I was in the financial services sector at a very young age, um, had some great success. It was a great opportunity um, to learn from this, this massive business um, you know, that had such a great uh, footprint in the financial right. services sector. And so I took a lot of what I had learned and what I observed. Uh, and and you, know, you hear this a lot when you hear about the entrepreneurial journey is that someone will say that, oh, I built my company off of a very simple problem that I wanted to solve. And um, at that time, when I, what I had witnessed, um, when you're talking about you know, the, the subprime lending and things of that sort, and we're talking back, back in 2008, you know, during, after, just after the recession and whatnot, right. where you know, you're seeing people that are losing their homes um, you know, to, to default mortgages and foreclosures and things of the sort. And I saw that there was a problem then. And so I ended up leaving uh, JP Morgan uh, for the purpose of wanting to be an entrepreneur. Let's go fix things, right? If, if we could, if, you know, if I could see a problem and possibly uh, create a solution for it, uh, the best way for me to do that was to dive full into becoming an entrepreneur. And, and my story is not glamorous. You know, um, I, I didn't just found my first company and it was given all this money. Um, I went from having a very secure income, uh, reliable income, to sleeping on, my, sleeping on the couch, bills being late, going through bankruptcy, all of that stuff. All of those worst side of the equation things that happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and being a minority in this country, the unfortunate thing is, is once you make that fall, especially in the credit system, it is really hard to get back to up recover. there. Yeah. You know, and so that's been my, that's been part of my journey. And so, but what it taught me was, you know, there were a lot of things that I actually didn't see and I didn't realize actually how privileged I was um, until I had fallen that far, um, fallen that far from grace. Right, right, right. right? (laughs) So um, then I began to see, oh, so if you don't have a, if you can't hit the the minimum requirements at your bank account or uh-huh. at, your, at your bank, they're going to charge you a fee, mm-hmm. and then and then if you can't afford that fee for too long, um, then you're you know you're going to end up going negative in that account, and then you're going to have another fee, and then another fee unless you can dig yourself out of that hole, mm-hmm. and you've got to dig yourself out of that hole high enough to where you're not getting charged a fee, and so. Then that brought me to the realization that, well, this can't just be a new problem, right? And then I, we started digging in and we found out that, you know, you're looking at roughly about 25% of the United States bounces in partic- between this place of being unbanked and underbanked. Okay, makes sense. And, and so that was where, you know, we came across, I, I, I wanted to change something. So that's where SPARE was, was, was born, essentially. 
is in this journey of, of being this entrepreneur that wanted to, to fix a problem. But at that time, that was very much my own life, right? Mm-hmm. It was very much my own problem. And so uh, the solution that we have today is something that um, I can say, at least in, in my very short time, I, I had the experience of, of firsthand knowledge of what this is like. Uh-huh. Now, let me ask you this. How big is your team now? I know when you initially started, um, you, you hadn't put together the full team. So what does it look like now in terms of the, the size of, of the team? So uh, right now we're roughly just about 15 of us. Um, okay. However, the, co- the company is now growing rather rapidly. Um, and that's primarily because of our partnerships and the, just the massive level of expansion that we're doing. Okay. Now so maybe, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. What did you say? I, know, I, I think when we met, it was, I think there was only a two or three of us at the time. Uh-huh. And so it, it's so interesting to think back um, to what we were doing um, then to, to where we are now. Now, tell me, how do you think the, the impact of, I know you went overseas and there was an incubator or, or an accelerator you were involved prior to getting the traction that you have now. Can you speak to yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was uh, 2016 um, mm-hmm. is when uh, we started to really kind of flesh out this idea. We started applying to, to incubators and accelerators. Um, and one of them was based uh, in Barcelona. Okay. And so uh, that was actually the first time that I realized that what we were dealing with was not a localized issue. Right. Um, so I ended up in this accelerator in Barcelona and you have individuals that are coming, you know, some of the top companies that are coming from all over Europe. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know, the first one was the first accelerator was reimagined foods. Uh, and then the second one was Menorca millennials. Um, and these are lots of individuals that are coming from all over Europe to build their startups. Uh-huh. And, you know, by and large, we get in front of these groups and we say, look, this is what we're, this is the, the vision that we have for this. And we get a lot, of, we, we had a lot of support primarily because these are individuals that are coming from, from small countries in Europe that understand that cross-border transactions mm-hmm. aren't necessarily so clean cut and so, and, 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 and accessible. And so, you know, now, you know, the world is changing a little bit for the European markets, but nevertheless, the access to cash still remains, especially when you're talking about um, the low end of the, the economic spectrum, right? Those mm-hmm. individuals are still very much not part of the digital community. And, you know, sometimes it's actually by choice um, that they're not there, but there's also just a swath of them that, that is, that it's by design um, that they're not part of that system anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think uh, it's more uh, because of, you know, the advent or the introduction of Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies, do you think cash will always or fiat con- currency will all be always be a real part of our economy, basically? Oh, oh, absolutely. And so it's really interesting um, because we've watched, you know, this digital currency space blow up, right? And in Spears' early days, we go into our pitches and all the investors go, well, cash is going away. Cash is no longer king. You know, it's all about digital wallets. It's all about that digital space, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting back there looking at the market and going, well, this, this is the right thing. But if you look at a lot of the volatility that occurs in those, those digital currency markets, the crypto markets, that's primarily because there's not an easy way uh, in the early days to liquidate those funds. That's right. the problem. 
right? And so we're looking at it going, well, at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to anchor anything in the digital space, the closest thing that you're going to have to anchor it to is not a commodity like gold. You want to anchor it to something like the fiat, uh-huh. right? And so we're looking, you know, we, we looked at that progression as being, well, the, the you know, the gold standard is what, what used to anchor the U.S. dollar. Right. Uh, and you had these digital currencies come over. Um, and so now we look at it as fiat is the really the only thing that's going to anchor something like a Bitcoin. Can I liquidate it? Can people put it in their hands? Can they realize it, right? And at the moment mm-hmm. they can realize it, now you have stability. Mm-hmm. And so we still believe that there, there's cash will always be king. If you look at just what's happened in the past six months globally um, in regards to the demand on cash specifically, over $70 billion globally, just in the past couple months with, with partially what's, what's going on with COVID, but you see, you'll see articles back in October where there has been a rise in the demand for actual cash. So no, mm-hmm. I, I do not find um, that we will be rid of it. It will be the one thing that stabilizes economies at the end of the day. No, that makes sense. And I'm glad to hear that. Um, because I always worry about the security at some point, because it's digital, at some point, someone can, can manipulate it to some degree. So what you have that could all of a sudden be inaccessible especially in a situation right now, if our cell phone communication network went down, then what do we do? Especially in situations where if your phone is your methodology of making payments, then you're out of the game. Absolutely. I 1000% agree. And, you know, it's so funny because when I began the company, you know, one of the kind of the conspiracy theories that theories that dawned on me, but it's less so because I've actually seen it happening in real time. Whereas every time there's an economic hiccup, um, the first thing that the banks do is shut off access to the ATMs. Right. And so, and so now, so now where do you go get cash? Where do you realize your value? How do you pay your bills? Right. Right. And if every, like you said, if everything is trapped in a digital space, how does someone who is not participating in that digital space or uh, able to, to, to continue to live their lives? Uh-huh. Right. And this is where, you know, what you're seeing today and you're not getting a whole lot of people talking about it is there is a groundswell on the merchant level, the small business level, um, where they are, they are removing themselves from the payment processing um, environments and they're, they're, they're deciding to take cash only. And that hits on a couple of different points. That's, that's business stability, right? Uh-huh. Because good for service, I have my cash in hand, I don't have to go through a middleman for it. Right, right. The day. Um, and, and when you have that kind of stability, you don't necessarily want to give it up. But also when you consider, oh, I'm taking credit cards, I'm going to split my profit with someone. And if right. your margins aren't that vast, you know, you might end up in a zero-sum game. And so, you know, what we're seeing in, in some of these, these merchants that are part of our network, it is a preferred opportunity for them to have someone come in, get cash in hand from their system and pay for a good or service right there at hand, and then that person go on their way with a little more cash in their hand. So that being said, um, globally, Spare will be available globally in almost every country, I assume? That is the strategy, yes. So uh, we're working very diligently with our strategic partners, some uh, that are are much larger entities than us, um, to drive this service um, to a much larger platform than just the United States. Now, is it a goal? I know you're probably tracking really well to have a a series A round, or are you still in the seed round of funding? 
so we're just we're getting into our series a now okay um so we're raising uh we're raising three million okay right now we're doing this as leanly as we can um so we have a commitment of up to a million uh, on that so far uh, and we're doing the shopping for the other two um, but our objective is to to bring on strategic partners so ultimately at the end of the day this endeavor for spare um you know because i have such a sensitive spot with it i i i, I tend to look at the relationship with our investors as one um, that's not, it, it's not just capital, right? It, it's got to be resources that, that are, that are going to benefit that community that we're going after, right? So it's not just money. We want, do you have the network? Do you have the expertise um, that you can bring to the table that's actually going to service uh, and benefit this community? And so we're so, very excited that we're getting investors along that line. So I have a question. Uh, one is this, is the uh, the offering is it going to be strictly equity or is it a convertible note that will convert to equity? So we're doing a convertible note on this round. We're keeping it incredibly incredibly uh, for for this particular round here. Okay. Well, I definitely would like to get uh, get some information on that offline. Um, any way to participate on that, that would be would be amazing. And my other question would be. Are there banks, financial institutions, um, JP Morgan, uh, Jamie Dimon, um, Citigroup, are there any institutions that you would see yourself partnering with in some uh, kind of way? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we think, we look at the, the issue that we have with, the, with, with solving the cash movement, community-based cash movement, um, as something that all banks should be participating in. Um, it's not, you know, it's not spare against the world. It's not spare against the big bank or the community bank or whatever it may be. We've actually built tools so that banks can take our technology, integrate them into their existing applications, and they can use the exact same function. So there oh, was wow. a, a, there was is, a, uh, oh, go ahead. Is it an API? The tools an API? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So we were, there was a discussion that we were having with a very a large scale national bank. And, you know, the, the conversation was, well, look, we're looking at deploying about 3000 ATMs into this one region over the next, you know, six to nine months, it's going to cost us X amount of dollars. How does your service compare uh, to that? And I said, well, um, you plug in our API. So you spend the next week or two weeks um, plugging in our API and you'll have access to every one of our locations. Okay. And so you're, that the price difference uh, is demonstrably vast, right? You're talking uh -huh. about the, the small integration, two weeks worth of dev time versus having to go out, scout machines, purchase machines, put them in locations. When we were looking at the price delta, these banks were saving an immense amount of money, but also at the exact same time, they were able to massively grow their exposure. And so that's something, whether you're a, a small bank, a, re, a regional bank, community bank, or, or a large scale bank, that's not necessarily in a rural area, um, but Spare might have a footprint there. You want to be able to offer that down um, to your customers. And so our objective is it, get these strategic partnerships, these large bank partnerships. Chase would be a great one. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citigroup, any, all of those companies, all of those banks today that are, are putting out that message that this is the community that they're wanting to help, 
we're a right. great partner for that. Right. Um, because we're doing this not only for your customers, but we're also doing this for your business merchants, retail merchants as well. And when you consider what the, the drastic thing that's happened with retail shops now because of COVID, these businesses need our support. And so wouldn't it be a great thing for a large company like a, a JP Morgan uh, to come in and say, hey, all of our business clients inside of our banking app, our, 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 our customers were enabling this solution. So now we can drive foot traffic to you. That is a benefit for being part of our network. Okay. No, that, that, that is, that's exciting. And I, I'm looking at, you know, just the, the scale or the scalability of what Spare can do. Um, Citigroup seems like the, the best global partner to have just because they've always, they've been global so, for so much longer and their reach is so, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty tremendous. I have a great relationship with Ray McGuire. He's vice chairman over at Citigroup. So I think that would be a good introduction for you to have. And that may prove of some value to you. Um, I want to speak to what you're doing for with Urban League. How does that partnership work? And kind of describe from the front end or the back end, more the front end experience for the client or the customer. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy to talk about that because this is the first major time that we've looked at a, a social organization and seen, seen that there's such great alignment um, behind our missions. And so we were reached out, uh, they, the Urban League of Essex County was actually the first to reach out to us um, after seeing us on Shark Tank. And really it was about this ability for uh, their, this particular community, this minority community, um, who most often they've been kicked out of the banking system to be able to access very basic financial services at a competitive rate. And so the concept for someone who is part of the Urban League community um, is that, uh, so we'll speak, first I'll speak to just SPARE in general and then also what's happening on the stimulus side. Um, so SPARE in general, um, you'll be able to fund your digital wallet um, and you'll be able to do it at a discount. Um, and then uh, you'll be able to access that cash for free from our merchants. Now, one of the great things that the Urban League in Essex County is doing is that, uh, and please reach out to, 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 to Vivian Cox over there. She's doing something amazing. Um, whereas in, they have set aside a little over $20,000 as a private stimulus um, for their community. And the Urban League is funding that. And so what's going to happen is they're going to be giving out payments of anywhere between $100 and $200. And that's money that those applicants can pick up for free. No mm -hmm. charge to them. And mm -hmm. so when you have a company that comes in and, and, and backs the funding of the wallet, well, at the end of the day, if there's money already in the network, we believe that the end user shouldn't have to pay to go and pick it up if it's, if it's set aside for them. And so when they get approved through the, through the, uh, the Urban League for their $200 stimulus payment, they're going to go pick up $200 because we're not going to saddle them with a fee. There's no need to, and that's Spare's design. If the money's already in the system, there's no need to, for you to have to pay to pull it out. Just right, it makes sense. Bank. Yeah, a lot of people are experiencing having to pay to pull money off cards um, with a lot of the other, other choices. No, that's Absolutely. huge. So in terms of the, the growth of the user base, how are you getting to the user? I know you're building a lot of partnerships from the corporate standpoint, 
but how are you making the users, um, every average everyday American, aware of Spare? So primarily, it's through these types of these types of organizations, right? Whether uh, you know it, we're doing something with the Urban League or the the, the, the business communities. Uh, or all, all of those social groups that are really the closest to our demographic, that's essentially how we're getting them. Um, and we're very excited because we've gotten to a stage where we believe that we're ready to expand. Um, and we have strategic partnerships that have allowed us to, to grow our networks exponentially. Um, okay. So, you know, as we hit, you know, the check cashing initiative that's going to roll out May 1st, you're going to have about 25,000 new locations that go live that are willing that are able for individuals to cash checks but that doesn't speak to the other two partnerships that we have go that are that are also coming in on this initiative that would give us upwards of another 150,000 locations here in the u.s so okay. so we're very excited about you know these types of groups and you know whether it's through digital marketing campaigns or or however they find us um everyone is welcome to use this service can you speak to the um, the bank partner that you're looking at right now that you described? Is it EverBank? Um, so Evolve Bank and Trust. Evolve Bank, okay. Memphis, yeah, Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Um, and, and, and Scott and his team, Scott, Hank, and Chris, they're absolutely amazing. They have, have a wonderful team. We've been working with them since the middle of last year. Um, a small bank, but you know, when, when it comes to a startup uh, wanting to make a footprint in this particular space, Okay. Um, you know, they, they pride themselves on servicing, you know, startups just like ours in the financial okay. space, whether it's the cryptos or digital wallets or whatnot. So we found them as a good partner for this particular stage. And so with Evolve Bank, you're, you're serving the community in that, that particular city, or I assume their, their reach is regional? Their reach is regional, yes. So, okay. um, yeah, as far as their banking license will take us, that's as far as we're able to go. Okay. Are you looking to do anything in California? Do you have any relationships in California that you're forging? Um, we are. We are pushing ahead, but we, we're never, uh, you know, too proud to say that we need more banking relationships. Um, getting more of those introductions, especially when it comes to the, the regional banks, uh, is something that we definitely need. So one of the things when you just, you just mentioned the regional banks, I had some exposure to the credit union side of the business. And I think they could be a huge, uh, a huge standpoint of basically it's a membership based organization. And most of those people are working class people. So they would be, I think in the demographic, them or their spouse or family members would typically be in that demographic that you're looking for. So building some relationships with the credit union networks across the country, uh, I think that would be a huge, a huge partnership actually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I know that we've made, you know, some and tried to get some introductions there. Um, and so one of the things I think it comes down to is, you know, when you hear, hey, we're a young startup or we're a startup, I think there's a little bit of aversion uh, uh -huh. to there being doors that open for us. Um, but, you know, I believe that, you know, through our networks and, and, and through introductions, eventually we're going to hit the right button and that much larger network is going to open up to us. So if there is anyone that's listening that's part of that community, please contact us because we're willing to work with you to help grow out this particular offering for, you know, that, that group that we're both servicing. Yeah, I, I'd imagine being a young startup in the fintech space, trust is probably the, the biggest hurdle that you have to overcome. Mm -hmm. But having the fact that, um, and you'll speak to that a little bit, 
about going on Shark Tank and having that visibility and a visible partner, such as one of the Shark Tank members, that should, you know, take the credibility part out of the equation. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it does help. And having a, a great platform like Shark Tank to, to you know, we just even today, you know, we, it, it's one of those things that once you're on that show, it's forever marketing. And so we were very fortunate to where we were able to not only get on the show, um, but we were able to get a shark like Mark Cuban to, to back what we're doing. Um, and, you know, when you look at the panel and they're all experienced business individuals, but when I was asked before I went into the tank, you know, who I would pick, Mark Cuban was, that was the all-star, that was the rock star. So to me, I hit a home run. Uh, and to, to be able to have someone in my personal network that, that I can reach out to and say, hey, this is what we're dealing with and whatnot and, and get the backing and the, get the feedback from someone that's, you know, that, that sees the journey far before I do because he's been there, done that, um, that, is, that is incredibly valuable. And so we're, we're very fortunate to where we have that. And um, we're, you know, we, we, use the, we use the name dropping sparingly, but, um, but it, it's been a massive benefit. Right, that's great. So speak to B, is it B, BPOS, and that partnership and how their technology is helping you in any way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, BB Paws uh, is uh, a uh, manufacturer of hardware um, okay. out of Asia and out of Hong Kong specifically. And um, they've been a great partner. Jesse Adams uh, was our president of the Americas. Absolutely wonderful man. He sits on our board. And what he's done for us is, you know, we've been able to integrate into some of their hardware. Um, and we understand that they have a, a relationship with a, I'm not quite sure if I can mention their name, but a very prominent um, convenience store um, chain here uh, in the U.S. also globally, um, uh -huh. where they're, they're going to be, you know, they're pushing forward to go ahead and do the hardware with, uh, for that particular chain. And so we're very fortunate to where we made this connection with them at a very early, uh, very early stage. Um, uh -huh. And where, when those devices go out, um, spare will be part of that that marketplace sweep. So we're getting to a stage, uh, and, and in our evolution, you know, we did the initial let's you know foot traffic or you know going into the merchant knocking on the door, hey, please buy our service. But I believe that you know in order to grow and scale, I think you need to take the approach uh, of being far more aggressive. Get yourself on the hardware that they're already doing business with, so right. it's no longer hey would you please kindly take this service on? It's like, no, we're already part of your business. This is how you turn it on. Um, and I think with, with something that is a process that's as simple um, as it is, I think that was, this is the right strategy for us. So there's, there's the hardware partners that we've uh, collaborated with. They're the software partners that we've collaborated with. And um, we think that those strategies are going to allow us to grow this company exponentially over the coming years. Now, do you see yourself, if you were looking at your, your top three or five competitors, who would you describe them as? Um, so I think there are some amazing companies, um, whether they're uh, out of Germany or Singapore, um, there are some companies that our business models are virtually identical. Um, so there's Synect um, and then there's SoCash. And I think that these businesses are doing a great job of, of answering the call um, for the particular demographic uh, that we're serving and helping move cash the way they should. Okay, but with anything, it's always gonna be your IP and the way you execute and the level of customer service. Now, I've noticed a lot of times with the advent of new tech companies coming to play, 
everyone's communicating with some type of bot or algorithm. Um, but are you going to have some kind of back end where the customer actually gets to speak to a person, a call center within your mix? Absolutely. So that is, that's our big piece. So if you go to our website and you have a question, you're talking to a human being at the uh -huh. end of the day, you're not running through a bot. And so that, that's two-sided, right? Where uh, we may not ha always have a customer service per person for you to talk to right then and there. Again, we are a scaling company. <laughs> so, um, but eventually, yes, this, this whole process behind Spare is ensuring that there's a human being on the other end of that conversation. Uh -huh. We've all done the thing where we've called our bank or called our credit card company and we've gone through the automated prompts and, and it endless. ends up being frustrating. Right. And yep. then, you know, to some degree, uh, we get hung up on, right? We've been sitting on hold for 10, 15 minutes and, and then all of a sudden our call drops. How frustrating yeah. is that? And Absolutely. if you could have simply just had a human being that you were talking to right out the gate, um, you know, I think that, that that's the part that I think a lot of large scale companies miss when we we are, are looking at growing and scaling with technology is we forget that the human touch is incredibly valuable uh -huh. and that's partly that's the reason why spare doesn't send you to an atm right to redeem your cash we send you directly to the cash register to converse with it to converse with the human being uh -huh. right and for a business owner that is insanely beneficial because it's not the person walked in, went to your ATM and left, right? And so you were just hoping that you could flash a sign at them or throw cookies at them to get them to, you know, purchase, <laughs> to do some purchase engage, yeah, yeah. to do some business. They came yeah. to your register and Spare gave you that opportunity um, to speak directly to them and say, hey, I've got something for you. So right? I would say, I would say Spare is not only high tech, it's also high touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like the way you put that. Yes. High touch. Which, so, which doesn't sound so great when you're talking about COVID. <laughs> so, but what we're hoping is once all of this kind of calms down a little bit uh, and people, please, you know, stay safe, stay, 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 stay healthy out there, use your social distancing, be smart about your health. But our, our system, again, is designed for that inter-community connection. Now, obviously, going on Shark Tank, being a part of the, um, the accelerator for the incubator in, in Barcelona, now, do you have a new lens of how you would look at a startup and how you evaluate what makes a startup or an idea viable? Is it the team that's important? Is the idea that's more important? Is it the IP of your idea? What is it that you would say if you're looking at an entrepreneur coming to you with a particular you know, product or service, how would you evaluate it now with, your new, with the new lenses that you have? You know, you once, when I first came into the equation as an entrepreneur, I always thought that if we were going to split that on a percentage basis, I thought that it was, you know, 10% team, 90% idea, right? Because it's got to be cool. It's got to be hot. It's got to be trendy. It's got to solve a problem. And everybody's going to jump on board regardless of who's leading the ship. And as I've gone through this journey, that's not the case. As someone who's building a company, you want to make sure that you're surrounded with the best people. Um, and, and, and it's not always, and I'm not just talking about skill. I'm talking about people that are there to build this company with you that, you know, commitment, commitment right? So they come with their skill sets, but they're committed. Because the thing is, as a startup, it does not get easier. 
um, you know, it, it, you might hear these companies when they have these massive, level, massive levels of success. That only means that things got demonstrably harder for them. And so you want to make sure that as you're that founding team, that you have people that are there for the long haul. They agree in your values. They're bringing, um, they're bringing things to the table. They're bringing value. They're, they're, someone on that team is covering your weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you want to make sure that that's the equation. Uh, and you hear, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I heard that, you know, you hear this idea of a, the, the, the B team with the A idea versus the A team with the B idea. I think that that exists 1,000%. Um, if I've got the right people around me, we're going to hit the right chord one day. And it uh -huh. might be that we come in with an idea and we pivot five, six, seven, eight, ten times. But eventually, if that if those people are there and they're ride or die, we're gonna we're gonna be able to do this either way. And I, I agree. That's that's what investors are investing in. Yeah, I agree. You're investing in a team. You're not just investing in the idea. The team is is that is going to carry it across the finish line, bottom line. It's a team sport. Absolutely. No, no I agree with that. Um, so looking, looking forward in the future, um, I, I talk to a lot of different startups. Um, Gaston and I are partners in Triumph Regroup, which is our consulting entity. I started Greenbox Ventures in 2010 with the goal of raising a $50 million fund and funding our entrepreneurs like yourself. But I think over the years, I've developed a keen eye and a sense of kind of like the it factor or what is going to make an entrepreneur more successful than others. Obviously, is there's some per personal attributes, meaning um, what you do and what you say, they have to match up. And I think that you've demonstrated that in terms of you know, there's always been good follow up. There's always been, you know, a consistency and a level of professionalism that, you know, that I can look and say, I know this person is going to be successful. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. But a lot of entrepreneurs that I, I see going into the tech space, they don't expand a revenue model. They only have in their mind, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to make revenue. But they don't see the low-hanging fruit in terms of there's some value adds along the way that you could have that create additional revenue without creating a lot of new work. Do you see additional revenue opportunities in spare that don't create new work once you have attracted the, the user base or as it starts to be attracted? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it was, it was actually one of those, I think one of those revenue drivers that we implemented last year, which was payment processing for the high risk sector. Again, okay. you talk about low hanging fruit. Um, there are businesses that are constantly wanting to get onboarded. And one of the things that we found was that when you go now to go ahead and get a payment processor, it takes you anywhere between 48 to 72 hours, if you're lucky, to get onboarded. And Spare has a system now to where you can be onboarded the exact same day. Oh, so wow. if, if, we, if we go ahead and give you the approval, you will be processing within hours. And so um, we're very fortunate to where you know, we rolled that system out the merchants that we've, that we've got that, that have come on board um, are, you know, we're driving value. We're giving them value ultimately at the end of the day. Um, and I think it, what it speaks to is there's always been an urgency um, around, you know, those critical business functions. And it was always rather perplexing to us why it took so long 
right with with all of the technology out there why would it take so long for someone to get their mid set up or or just to get process you know cards processed and so we're very fortunate to where we've created this process this this system to where you call this today within an hour you're up and running oh that's great now gaston and i um gaston uh, co-founded this um uh, there's a uh, a desktop app that's coming that's catering to the renters market. Do you see renters being a, a huge demographic that you could serve in any community? Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you follow the money, you follow the opportunity. And, and that's one of the things that when you're looking uh, as an entrepreneur, uh, and, and Spare just happens to be in the financial services sector, but regardless of what sector you're in, right, you, you wanna pay attention uh, to any opportunity that might bring some value um, to what you're currently doing. Um, okay. and I, I do, I do see that there, there is space for, for that. Maybe not right off the bat, but, um, I have a great team, right? And one of the things about, uh, having a great team is delegation, right? Is you, you can go to someone and say, look into this. Um, uh -huh. and if this is something that we can very quickly and easily serve, let's create a strategy around it. Now, do you have to have a banking license in every market that you work or you're not considered a bank or financial institution per se? So we are not considered a financial institution. Now there are certifications that you need um, to do the types of bit, type of business that we have, um, but we're very fortunate because we do have a banking partner um, that operates in a lot of the regions that we service. Um, but yeah, by and large, you know, you know, we can we can go out and, and operate, but we always want to keep our eyes on the regulations, especially when you're talking about financial services, um, because at any point in time. Um, you know, your business can be shut down for not really, you know, following the rules per se. Um, so money transfer license and, and uh, ISO licenses and making sure you're, you're, uh, you're getting PCI and KYC certified, all those things. Um, you want to ensure that you're following those rules. Now, one of the things that I see in terms of the low hanging fruit is something that I think that has really cannibalized a lot of the communities is the check cashing places and the payday loans. So I think the payday loan, maybe Spare may be able to do something with the payday loans, meaning you have merchants with cash, but the fees could possibly be less, or mm -hmm. you know, there, there, be, there, there is another stickiness of the relationship, a reason for the person to keep coming back. Absolutely, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, um, because you know, now we're looking at um, this economic decline, and you, know, you hear uh, that there, you know, there are these $1,200 checks that are gonna go out. Provided uh -huh. you, you filled out your taxes or you filed the, the stimulus forms for this, there's going to be a $1,200 check that's going to either, if, you're, if you have a bank account, it's going to end up in your bank account. But those individuals who are unbanked, what's going to happen to them? And we, we presume that they're going to get a $1,200 check in the mail and their normal way of doing business is they're going to run to a check cashier. Right. Check cashers have been closed for the past few weeks, so they're going to see this as an opportunity. Economics is going to kick in. And they're going to say, hey, hey, look at this. We, we've got some stimulus checks that are coming in. So we're going to bump these fees up. Right, bit, exactly. Right? Because, because we've got a lot, we've got to line out the door. It's supply and demand. And so we're going to make sure that you're going to pay 5 10% to go ahead and get your cash out. Right. So what Spare has done, um, starting May 1st, you will be able to go into the Spare app, deposit your stimulus check or your government-backed check uh -huh. um, into our platform. Uh, and you'll be able to access that cash for free at the merchants inside of our network. So you're absolutely right. Um, there is an opportunity there in the check cashing space. Uh, and we're taking this opportunity 
to, to show how we can support this community by re significantly reducing the cost um, that it's going to take to go ahead and uh, cash those checks. Now, now, you talked about depositing a check. Do you have similar to Chase where you can take a photo of the check and then you have all the routing information and it, it goes to spare and you guys process it like that without actually having to sign it and send it to anyone? Yes, actually, uh, yes. So, so basically, what's going to happen is you're going to go ahead and you know take a picture uh, of the of the check. It's going to uh, go on over to our partner Checkalt, um, okay. who is going to go ahead and clear uh, the check for us. Uh, and then, you know, with that relationship with Evolve Bank, we're going to make those funds available for you. And so, the idea, uh, at least in this early stage, is to get you that cash. Uh, you know, within 24 hours, um, we're not doing instant cash just yet. Um, but uh, it will be within that 24-hour window. No, I think that that's huge. That's a game changer. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people um, basically chomping at the bit. And if it was, I think if it was a way for you to have a, a, a national campaign and hit every city, meaning if you hit every city and, and spoke with the Urban League in every city uh, or the Chamber of Commerce in every major city, that would be a great way to build some some relationships with the small business owners and to let them, the stakeholders know in every particular market what you're bringing to the table. Now, I actually have a cousin who's a state representative in Arkansas. His name is Reginald Murdoch. So I would be happy to introduce him to you, you, you to him, because I think in the Delta in Arkansas, which is, I was born in, in Mariana, Arkansas, which is 50 miles from Memphis. So I think it would be huge to build as many relationships in Arkansas and then carry over to Tennessee as well. But if there's a way I can facilitate that, I think that that could play, you know, add some value to what you're doing. Well, I, I greatly appreciate that. And, you know, the way we're looking at it is we, we want that assistance at the end of the day, because there is a there's a market um, that needs our help. And you hear a lot of people right now talking about um, this is the time that we all come together. And, you know, Spare has a very simple system that any merchant, um, regardless of whether you're, you're, you're a large network, say, uh, like 7-Eleven, which we, uh -huh. we just recently reached out to, or you're someone like our partner, T-Cetra, uh, V2Pay, uh, Solutions Unlimited, Yugo. These are some of our partners that are rising to the challenge. Uh, with their merchant networks and saying that these are this is a service that we want to support um, to help uh, our community. Mm -hmm. And so I greatly appreciate uh, any introductions um, that you are, are willing to make, whether it's here in California, in Arkansas, because we do believe that um, this isn't a, it's not a localized issue. It's not a regional issue, right? It's not just in your backyard issue. This is a national issue. And when you're talking about 16 million plus people that are unemployed, they're going to need help. Right? As of today, we, we sit in a space where you've got articles coming out saying that all of the stimulus money for small businesses is dried up. Right. Right. Uh, if these are the backbone of our country, where right. are they going to get the help? Right. Absolutely. If, you're, if you're looking at individuals who are saying, hey, we're waiting on our $1,200 stimulus because I haven't been to work in a month or a month and a half. Where are they going to get the help? And I think this is an opportunity for the community really truly to come together. And we were very fortunate. Uh, I was on the phone with a, uh, a, a dear friend, uh, Regina Evans, uh, and she's working uh, 
with, uh, just to make sure I, I get her name uh, correct, Malia Cohen, uh, who's a board member of, uh, board me on the Board of Equalization for California. Um, you know, these are brilliant minds, brilliant individuals that we want to connect with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd, I, for, for California, I'd love to get an introduction to, to Nexine Waters so that she can hear exactly what it is that we're doing because we're bringing value to the communities that, when you're talking about even just the progressive party by themselves, um, mm -hmm. these, are, these are messages uh, these are cornerstones to their platforms right now. So, uh, you know, if, if there is someone uh, listening to this 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 podcast right now that has a state representative that might find value in what we're doing, please reach out to us. Yeah. Because we want the help. We want, you know, this is that time where everyone bands together to grow, uh, to grow out support for our communities. Well, I think we can accomplish that. And like I said, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. And I, I, I'm happy to see the success that you, you've achieved, but I'm also happy to see the vision of where you're going and the strong partnerships and the strong impact that you're making. Now, the last question I would ask you would be from a charitable standpoint, how do you see Spare giving back? What is your give back? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's something that's incredibly important as you're, as you grow, um as a company right and entrepreneurs uh you need to consider how you're going to make a positive impact in your community and one of the things that we've found is that the best way that we can have an impact is you know taking something that was free or that that had a that had a fee on it um and making it free or reducing its cost as significantly as we can but we'd like to as we grow to scale we want to be able to contribute, um, you know, to things that are, to, to, to initiatives that are planting more trees, um, that are helping animals, uh, that, are, that are helping the, the homeless problem, the jobless problem. We want to work in part, and I think the best way for us to do this is work in partnership um, with our mayors, our, our counties, our governors uh, on a local level, but also on a, eventually on a national level, um, to be able to drive these, these community-based initiatives to do some good. Um, and so hopefully within the next six to nine months, there will be uh, much more detail uh, on exactly how we're going to be able to give back. Um, but we think right now the greatest thing that we're doing is in the business model itself. But we have those much larger global impacting initiatives on our docket because we believe that there is more than one way to help as a financial <laughs> services company. There's more than one way to make an impact than just the wallet that that. That, that can, you know, change the fabric of the community. Uh -huh. No, I definitely, I see it. And I, I, I definitely, I think we're going to see the impact that you're going to make. And I wish you continued success. And I really appreciate you joining us for this episode of Silicon Beach Mobile Startup. And we look forward to, to staying in touch in the near future. Baron, right. uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thanks, Deontra. Thank you. Bye now.